Hello and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson and this week, continuing my mini flavors of fascism series, I am talking about uh, one of the more disturbing and disgusting uh, variations of fascism that we see in the contemporary world, and that is Holocaust denial. Now, in many ways, you might think like, well, why do I need an explainer about this? It sort of is literally what it says. Um, it's actually a little bit, you know, it's quite complicated. Uh, in a nutshell, Holocaust denial is the claim that the Holocaust, as in the intentional mass murder of principally Jewish people, uh, as well as many other people in Eastern Europe by the Nazis and their allies uh, before and during World War II, either didn't happen or is heavily exaggerated. Now, it's those last two bits, really, uh, that it uh, either didn't happen or is heavily exaggerated that provides a lot of the uh, nuance and um, differences here, differences of opinion amongst Holocaust deniers. But I want to be clear. By nuances, I mean like that the different people on the right wing disagree with each other a little bit, not that, you know, there's nuances to their arguments. Uh, their arguments are wrong, uh, inconceivably, disgustingly wrong. The Holocaust, as I described it, as I defined it uh, just a moment ago, did happen. Uh, it resulted in the deaths, uh, the murders of upwards of 12 million people, uh, approximately 6 million of whom were Jewish uh, and 6 million others including Roma, um, Slavic people, communists and other leftists, homosexuals, uh, people of other non-normative sexualities and genders, um, people with mental and physical disabilities or different types of bodies and mentalities, uh, and also Nazi political dissidents, like people who were on the right wing uh, but were targeted by the Nazis for extermination. These things happened, and we know that they happened because of a massive, just, just completely irrefutable preponderance of evidence. Uh, there are documents, there are photographs, there are eyewitness testimonies uh, by, in some cases, people who are still currently alive today. Um, there is a massive amount of eyewitness uh, and um, oral history testimony from people who endured uh, internment in internment camps, people who survived through extermination camps. Um, there is just, there's just a massive amount of evidence of this. However, Holocaust deniers claim uh, one of two things, essentially. Uh, you might be able to divide them into two different categories. Uh, one is a sort of, you know, one might call it a soft Holocaust denialism, a sort of like, well, actually type position. Uh, these sorts of people might try and say that the death toll of the Holocaust was massively exaggerated, and in some cases arguing that it was orders of magnitude lower than 6 million or 12 million. Uh, similarly, they might quibble over definitions about like, well, about the intentionality of these murders or about, you know, what it means to exterminate or about the definition of genocide, which, of course, was not a word prior to World War II. The, the definition of the word genocide appeared uh, in UN resolutions following uh, the Holocaust. A more uh, radical, full-on Holocaust denialism uh, is something that is the purview of a much more extreme right wing uh, who might go so far as to claim that none of it ever happened at all. Uh, some of the more extreme versions of this kind of conspiratorial thinking might even claim that uh, that whatever kind of mass murder was occurring, it was actually Jewish people who were perpetrating it in order to be able to 
claim to be the victims in history and in order to maintain their power. Uh, this reminds us that Holocaust denialism is inherently anti-Semitic. While it is true, and it's important to remember that uh, the German extermination and genocidal campaigns did not exclusively target Jewish people, they did predominantly and disproportionately target Jewish people, and that anti-Semitism was at the heart of their ideology in a way that it was just sort of not necessarily at the heart of all other fascisms at the time. Uh, this is important to remember because Holocaust denialism is inherently an anti-Semitic ideology. But getting into the history of this a little bit, uh, another important thing to note is that the Germans themselves, as in the Nazi party and the German military that was carrying out the Holocaust, knew that if they lost the war, uh, they would be held accountable for their actions. And they not only had contingency plans for destroying their records, uh, which they tried to do a lot of, although they failed to destroy all the records, a massive amount of German records remain uh, from the Holocaust. Uh, they also had squads of people out destroying evidence uh, of their mass murders, uh, going so far as to exhume mass graves that they had created in uh, earlier stages of the Holocaust in order to burn those inside uh, rather than leaving the bodies there for them to be found. Uh, this is, you know, a short reminder that the Holocaust itself was not the plan of the Nazi party from the very get-go. The plan was to eliminate Jewish people inside of Germany, uh, possibly by removing them from Germany or by pushing them into uh, small settlements then called ghettos uh, in order to um, perform a genocide in that, in that fashion by, by moving people, forcibly moving people and destroying their livelihoods. Uh, whereas the system of mass murder, uh, what is so-called the final solution, uh, the Nazis came to that during the war. Uh, as they found themselves in control of vast amounts of Eastern European territory that contained massively more Jewish people than existed in Germany. Uh, specifically, we are talking about uh, territory that is now Poland uh, and also what is now Belarus, uh, what is now Ukraine. Uh, these territories had massively more Jewish people uh, than had existed in Germany prior to the war, and the Nazis had an argument with themselves about how to deal with it. Uh, they talked about relocation. Uh, they talked about um, moving Jewish people to Africa. They talked about moving Jewish people to uh, Palestine. Uh, but ultimately, they decided that their solution would be to uh, murder as many of them as possible and to hide the evidence that they had ever lived there. Uh, that is what the Holocaust was. So, in a sense, these Nazi attempts to hide the evidence of their crimes, uh, and, you know, I, I don't just mean crimes under German law, I mean um, crimes by any possible human definition, uh, arguably that might be the first beginning of Holocaust denialism, uh, the first time that somebody tried to prevent people from knowing that this had happened. After the war, however, modern political Holocaust denialism uh, starts not with a German man, uh, but with a Frenchman. His name is uh, Marit uh, Bardeshe. Uh, Bardeshe was uh, a French journalist in 1948, and he came up with a book in 1948 uh, claiming that the testimony of those who had experienced the Holocaust, i.e. Jewish people and leftists, uh, could not be believed, and that the massive deaths of Jewish people and leftists and other people who had lived in uh, German-occupied territories uh, were the results of malnutrition, relocation, and overwork rather than intentional extermination. Uh, this means that he was starting this um, 
this sort of like uh, softer form of Holocaust denialism. And again, I mean soft as compared to those who claim that the Holocaust didn't happen at all and is fully a Jewish fabrication. Uh, the form of Holocaust denialism uh, then moved to the United States uh, with a person named Harry Elmer Barnes. Uh, he was, prior to World War II, an extremely influential and well-respected historian. Um, he was, unfortunately, therefore, very influential in moving the idea of Holocaust denialism into the mainstream, not just in the United States, but throughout the Western world. He was a promoter of what is called, quote-unquote, revisionism, uh, which is what Holocaust deniers say that they believe in order to not have to say that they deny the occurrence of the Holocaust. Uh, his claim is that uh, there was no counterpoint, that there was no uh, argument against, uh, like, you know, that people weren't arguing against the existence of these atrocities, uh, and that therefore he needed to try to provide this argument, you know, literally saying a, that, that the Germans needed a devil's advocate. It's a completely disgusting, crazy idea. Uh, Barnes also engaged in a form of whataboutism, uh, as in, uh, he said, like, well, you know, yes, the Germans committed atrocities during World War II, but the Allies did too. Uh, and yes, that is true. Um, the Allied forces from the Soviets to the United States to the British uh, engaged in massive, terrible atrocities uh, against civilians and against their um, enemy combatants during World War II. They killed a lot of people uh, on purpose. They killed civilians without provocation. Um, however, none of that compares to the system of mass murder and intentional extermination engaged in by the Nazi party and its collaborators from France to Eastern Europe. Continuing on this historical trajectory of Holocaust deniers is the uh, Institute for Historical Review, uh, also known as the Liberty Lobby. These are two connected organizations founded by, a, by an American, by a U.S. citizen uh, named Willis Carto. Uh, the Liberty Lobby and the Institute for Historical Review uh, is a, you know, an innocuous name for a neo-Nazi publishing house uh, that was active in the United States up through the 1990s, even into the 2000s. However, Holocaust denialism is not just present in the United States and Western Europe. It is actually arguably more common throughout the rest of the world. It is extremely common uh, on the secular and Islamic right wing in the Middle East. Uh, for example, in Palestine, uh, but also very prominent in places like Iran, where the former president of Iran, Ahmadinejad, uh, is a prominent Holocaust denier and has faced massive protests and been called out very often uh, for his open denial of the Holocaust. Uh, other historical figures from the Middle East, uh, for example, Abdel Nasser, uh, have engaged in a sort of more soft Holocaust denialism, claiming that, you know, uh, it's, it's unbelievable that so many people could have been killed. You know, it's impossible. Um, additionally, uh, in Eastern Europe, uh, there is a lot of Holocaust denialism, uh, specifically focusing on trying to claim that the local people in their country did not collaborate with the Nazis, which, again, is not true. Uh, many Eastern European authorities, many Eastern European right-wingers, uh, and fascists and, you know, people who collaborated with the fascists, they participated in the Holocaust. And I don't just mean as like people who looked the other way or people who provided logistical support or, you know, people who worked in towns where people who were perpetrating the Holocaust lived. I mean, like they actually participated in the murdering. 
there were a lot of Eastern European volunteers, people who worked with the Nazis, like bodily, as soldiers and as functionaries, uh, not just in the Holocaust, but in the war in general, because of their anti-Semitism and because of their hatred for communism. Um, this was extremely common, and it's, un it's an undeniable historical fact. Uh, however, uh, a lot of people in Eastern Europe and a lot of political movements in Eastern Europe either deny this or try to downplay it, essentially saying that it's all the fault of either the Germans or the Soviets. Uh, again, you know, uh, this form of Holocaust denialism that um, suggests that communists, which in the minds of the right wing, uh, are also always Jewish, that they're the real people who are responsible for these atrocities, if indeed they occurred. You know, that's that's their claim. Uh, for example, in order to have pride in the leader of Hungary during World War II, uh, um, Horthy, uh, the people of Hungary, and specifically like a lot of uh, right-wing nationalists in Hungary, deny his collaboration with the Nazis during the Holocaust. They deny that the Horthy government participated in the relocation and extermination of Jewish people, which is an established historical fact. It's it, it just true. It did happen. Uh, there is massive evidence about it. But in order to have their heroes, you know, in order to be able to uh, have pride in their leaders prior to World War II, a lot of people just simply try to uh, ignore that aspect of history. In the present day, Holocaust denialism is less mainstream than it, uh, it has been at certain times in history. However, it is increasingly so, as more and more people, especially on the extreme right, Although there is a strand of Holocaust denialism that occurs on the left, um, but is primarily associated with the right wing. Uh, as more and more people on the extreme right wing start to claim that the world is being controlled by a Jewish cabal and that they need to fight it in order to stop its rise. And, and so their claim is that the Holocaust is, you know, is a fabrication or an invention in order to make people feel guilty in order to allow uh, Jewish people to have the prominence that uh, these right-wing people claim that they unduly do. Uh, speaking of contemporary Holocaust denialism, uh, Holocaust denial is illegal in a lot of European countries. Um, specifically, it's illegal in Germany, France, Italy, um, a lot of Central Europe, um, with the exception of Spain. It is illegal in Portugal, however. Uh, it is not illegal in Spain, and it is also uh, perfectly allowed in many of the former Soviet socialist republics uh, in Eastern Europe. For example, um, uh, Ukraine, Belarus, Latvia, uh, Holocaust denialism is allowed. It is also allowed in many of the former Yugoslav countries, for example, in Serbia, uh, although Holocaust denialism is illegal in Russia. As the 20th century went on, and as the example of the Nazi party became the prominent, the biggest example of fascism that most people on the right looked to, Holocaust denialism became a more important part of how the right wing thought about itself and how it identified itself. Um, it is moving from being something on the fringe to, unfortunately, trying to be something that is more and more mainstream. Uh, there are parts of QAnon that uh, touch on Holocaust denialism, and as that becomes more and more mainstream, that ideology will continue to do so, uh, not just in the United States, but in the rest of the world. Uh, so it's an extremely important thing to be paying attention to and um, trying to prevent, provide counterexamples, argue against in order to prevent this disgusting ideology from gaining any prominence. All right, that was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. 
I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. Please leave a review on whatever it is you're listening to this on. If you really like the podcast, check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash 15 minutes of fascism. That's 15 minutes of fascism, all one word. You can also reach me at 15 minutes of fascism at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at hist of the right. That's H-I-S-T of the right. I am also on Twitter at fascism15. All right. Thanks very much. And I'll talk to you next week.